One of the questions that many of you new students are thinking is, can I really do this? Can I make it, as Dr. Jim uh, mentioned? Because you're looking at yourself as you are right now. Uh, as you get into these years of your life, you begin to realize that there are habits that have been formed, ways of thinking. You have some areas of good character, you have other areas that aren't so good. Uh, you have good self-discipline, but um, lacking in other areas. And just a heart for God and a consistency, you realize as you begin to get challenged to take life seriously, oh, there's, man, there's just a lot of things that need to be changed. And one of the tools of Satan is to try to get you to feel hopeless right off the bat. In fact, whenever you feel hopeless, that is never God. That is always the evil one. God brought you here to do far more than you can even imagine. And our whole burden for you is to see you by the grace of God transformed into the man or woman of God that he wants you to be. It's exciting. We've seen it over and over. That's what the word of God says. You'll be hearing much about that. And so this morning, I want to encourage you that you can change. You can embrace the challenge. You can accomplish what God wants you to accomplish. In fact, you can do it in a greater way than you can even imagine. And that's a great encouragement. Uh, but the fact is, um, we do have a tendency to just get right back into our old way of thinking. I remember uh, growing up, I can't believe my parents let me get my license at 16. Those were <clears throat> days far gone by. Now maybe many of you did, but my kids all got it at 18. Uh, their prefrontal cortex doesn't develop till they're 25, you know, so I'm thinking uh, 18's a little on the early side, but uh, that's when they got their licenses. I got mine at 16, and my prefrontal cortex was not developed. Uh, I, I had this little Corvair. And anybody know what a Corvair is? Anybody? Okay, wow. Okay, you know antiques, don't you? Well, anyway, uh, it was a terrible thing. I had to, even in the uh, below zero, I had to keep my windows down because the exhaust was coming into the car. It was just a, it was a, just a great car for a 16-year-old. But I got it, and I got my license, and I worked at a grill, uh, one of those old Chicago grills, 63rd and Kedzie. It was just simply a, um, you had the counter, and you had stools there. There were no tables to sit at, and so as you worked, you were the uh, you waited on the people, uh, you took their orders, you couldn't write anything down. Uh, you then cooked what they asked you to cook, and you served it, and you cleaned up afterwards, and you uh, then uh, took their money um, based upon your memory. And uh, it was quite a, it was a great way to learn multitasking, I can tell you that. Uh, but I got to work some of the tougher shifts uh, as I was getting money for college, second and third shift, and the Chicago policemen uh, could uh, get free meals whenever they wanted it. Great security. I'm telling you, it was worth the money. And, these, and back in those days, Mayor Daley was the uh, mayor of uh, Chicago, the first Mayor Daley. And I don't think you could be a policeman unless you were six foot seven, about 300 pounds. I mean, these guys were unbelievable. They'd hunker in on those counters. I loved it. I felt great, you know, having those guys there. But one guy I really liked, his name was Scotty at a Scottish Brogue. And he was just your typical immigrant there into Chicago. And we became good friends. Well, anyway, I'm feeling my wings, you know, and, 
And uh, first day with my car, I'm going down Kedzie after work. And uh, I don't know what I was going, you know, I wasn't bothering with the uh, speedometer, you know, at that moment. And uh, all of a sudden I hear this siren and flashing lights behind me on a, a motorcycle cop. And oh man, what's my dad going to say? He pulls me over and this big old hulking Scottish guy gets off his motorcycle. He looks in there and he says, you idiot, you idiot, get out of here before I do anything. And so phew, I got out of there. Man. But I tell you what, that helped me think, okay? In fact, I've hardly had any tickets from that point on. Uh, but you know, we just have a habit to just do what we feel like doing. That's our problem. Uh, just do fulfill our desires. If we want to eat, we eat. If we want to waste some time, we waste our time. And we're now getting into the time of life when you've got to zero in. But it's so easy to forget uh, the uh, things that we're learning. Uh, you may have heard this story. It's a true historic story. I love telling it. Uh, uh, back right after the Second World War, there was uh, the leader of the Air Force of Greece took over the country. And he had been the head of the Air Force and was uh, a tremendous pilot. And so he immediately began to order new planes for the Air Force now that he was controlling uh, the uh, Greece for a short period of time. And one of the things that they ordered was the latest hydroplane with all of the most advanced equipment. And World War II sped technology forward in a, in a great way. And so he was all excited about this plane. Of course, remember, Greece is a peninsula, so they have uh, water everywhere. And so his now new uh, leader of the Air Force uh, learned the plane, learned the technology, and took the dictator up for a little spin around. So they flew out of the bay there near the military uh, base there in, in Greece. And they had a good time flying and boy, they were ooing and aahing all this new technology. And then the dictator scared to death the, the new uh, commander of the Air Force. He said, I'd like to fly the plane. Of course, you don't tell a dictator, I don't know if that would be wise. So he said, okay, so they switched the controls over and he flew well, he was a very astute, uh, pilot, but then he said something that made uh, the pilot uh, heart uh, skip. He said, let me land this thing. Now that was a whole different uh, situation, but again, you don't say anything but yes, your excellency. And so down he comes and it occurred to the commander of the Air Force, he's landing at the military airport, the land airport and he's forgotten that this is a hydroplane. And so finally gets up the courage and he's sweating. He said, your excellency, don't you think since this is a hydroplane, it'd be wise to land in the water? And uh, he said, oh yes, I forgot. And so he, the controls went back over. They barely were able to uh, escape a crash landing. They circled back around and landed in the bay. Well, they're both sitting there bobbing up and down, the sweat coming off of them. And, and the uh, dictator said, I, I can't believe it. I appreciate what you did. I can't believe that I forgot that this was a hydroplane. And then he promptly opened the door and stepped out into the water. <laughs> now you're going to feel like that a number of times in the days ahead, okay? I got this thing down. I have heard these challenges. This is what I'm supposed to do. Uh, the upperclassmen have warned me about this. And I need to get discipline here. But yeah, you know, you're still like a high school senior. 
and you step back out in the water. Okay, now I want you to know, the upperclassmen are there to rescue you. Okay, and laugh at you. Uh, no, no. Because they were laughed at too, you gotta understand that. It's a whole process here that you go through. Um, but seriously, it really is a blessing to know that there, it's not your strength that's gonna make the difference. It's your will to believe God according to his word, but God's ready to work. The God of heaven is ready to work, young people. He knows you're here. He called you here. He has a plan for you. And the one that created the heavens and the earth is ready to assist you right now. Turn with me to a wonderful passage, John chapter 15. And I chose this passage partially because of our theme of the I am, which will be both church and the college. And I'll say a word about that in a minute. But I want to look at one of the great I am passages that I believe will be a wonderful, practical help to you. The disciples were sort of like freshmen here. Uh, they were about to embark on a new chapter of their life. They had been in school with the, uh, the Lord Jesus, but they had a lot to learn. There was a lot that had to change. And because of the Lord going to the cross and winning the victory, he tells them in chapters 14 through 16 that you have all the hope you need. Because through the victory, I am going to go not only to heaven to provide eternal life for you, but I'm going to be the God-man, and I'm going to go to the right hand of the Father. He teaches us in the overall teaching. Uh, and I am going to send the comforter to you. Something that the Old Testament saints did not have. This was a new era. And that would be the indwelling of the third person of the Trinity. Now, to these men, losing Christ was horrifying for them. And uh, even as he's teaching, they realize he's been telling them that he's going, but they didn't want to believe it. Chapter 14 starts with that. But 50 days later, they were going to understand. As Christ sat on the right hand of the Father, the promise of the Spirit that's referred to in Luke and here in Acts occurred. And the Holy Spirit came and indwelt every believer. Peter, the one who denied Christ, was the first to proclaim boldly the word of God, and 3,000 were saved. All of those disciples who had run were now proclaiming the gospel all over the temple area, and God was doing magnificent things through them. And these men who had such fear uh, reached the world, and I tell you young people, it's really thrilling. In one generation, the gospel went all the way to China and all the way to England and into the depths of Africa. And the apostles led the way. Isn't that amazing? Those men that ran in the Garden of Gethsemane, what was the difference? It was the indwelling spirit of God. And young people, they were just like, even all of you returning students, you face another, wow, can I really uh, do what I ought to do, be what I ought to be? Can I really change? I've got such weaknesses. I've got things that I've got to deal with in my life. Well, the answer is, 
If God can change these disciples, he can change you. And it is the promise that he wants to present us perfect in Christ Jesus. And so that's the background here of this passage. So if you look with me at John chapter 15, uh, they're, on the, they're walking right now to the Garden of Gethsemane from the upper room. Verse 1, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in the vine. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth, how much fruit? Much fruit, wow. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and withered, and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. Quite a passage. Let me just look at it here very practically for you this morning. First of all, let's look at the vine, the fruitful vine here this morning. I am the true vine. <clears throat> so in the Old Testament, I won't read all the passages, but several different times, the vine was used to picture Israel. And the fact that they were to be the instrument of God to bring uh, the message of Jehovah's salvation to the world. And of course, Israel failed over and over. Jesus here says, I am the true vine. One of the seven times in the Gospel of John that that term, I am, is used by Christ himself. Remember, the theme of the, book, of the Gospel of John is the deity of Jesus Christ. This was written decades later. He's the only living apostle. There was an attack on the deity of Christ, and the Spirit of God inspired him to write the Gospel of John that directly underscores the fact that Jesus Christ is God, the, the creator, the second person of the Trinity. And Jesus declares that himself in practical ways. I am. I am the great I am. And I am the true vine. And so I want us to understand that this vine is God Almighty. This vine is the source of all love, power, truth, long-suffering. Uh, this vine is God. Everything you need, everything God wants you to be is found in Jesus Christ, is found in the vine. And uh, you say, well, that's, that's wonderful, but uh, what about uh, us? Well, I want you to see down in verse 5, it says, I am the vine, ye are the branches. Anybody ever seen a vineyard? Anybody ever seen? All right, a number of you have. Now, when you went to see that vineyard and you looked at the different vine plants, trees, well, they're not really trees, but just plants, you look at them, you don't look at them and say, wow, look at those vines, and did you ever see such branches? No, that didn't occur to anybody. What did you see when you looked at that plant? A vine. Is it two separate entities, vine and branch, or is it one entity? It's one. Now, I want you to get this. This is very crucial. 
in this illustration that the Lord gives, he says, I'm the vine, but you're my branches. In other words, you are one with me. One of the most beloved little prepositional phrases in all of the New Testament is in Christ. Christ in me, and I am in Christ. Young people, you've got to get a hold of it. Christ came and won the victory. The barrier is gone. And not only do we have eternal life, not only do we have the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit joins us in our spirit to the very life of Christ, which is why Paul could say, for me to live is Christ. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. As I look to you, at you today, you're part of the body of Christ and you have the very life of Christ in you and that's the potential you have. Now, is that a pretty high potential? You say, man, who am I? Oh, boy. Already, I'm defeated before I got started. You know, I, I can't make it. Well, without me, you can do nothing. You're right. If you think you can, you're just as big a trouble as hopelessness. But with him, you can do everything you need to do. Now, don't you love the good news that people can be saved and go to heaven? Don't you love that? I got even, not shouldn't say greater news, because nothing is greater than eternal salvation. But I got great news for the believer. You can be delivered from yourself. And you can live Christ's very life. That's what he's saying here. So let's look at that. Now there's another part to this uh, illustration here. It's the vine. We're the branches. So we're one with Christ. And there is the husbandman. The, uh, the one who dresses or is the vine dresser of the vineyard. And this is a wonderful thing. If you look with me uh, in verse 2 we see that speaking of the father as the vine dresser every branch in me that beareth not fruit he taketh away and every branch that beareth fruit he purgeth it that it may bring more uh, much bring forth more fruit now ye are clean through the word which i have spoken unto you so let's look at this did you know, you think often about the Holy Spirit convicting you. You think often about the fact that Christ is working in you. But did you know right now, God the Father is wanting to do work in you also. Now we get overawed, folks, at the political powers in our world. We look at history and we, we, we see with amazement sometimes what man has accomplished. But when you go to the courtroom and the throne room of heaven, when you think of the power of Almighty God and you think of the Trinity, do you realize that every person of the Trinity is involved in your life right now? The Father's wanting to do a work. You are in Christ and connected to his life and the Spirit of God is in you to be the comforter, one called alongside, to commune, to convict, to convince you of what is truth and to empower you. It doesn't get any better than that. Every person of the Trinity is right now concerned about you. Now, Satan wants you to feel helpless, hopeless, and 
we are without the Lord, but when we realize what we have in, in God, it's amazing. Now, let's, let's, let's look here. What does the husbandman do? Well, if you're not bearing fruit, it says he taketh away. Now, unfortunately, that's misunderstood a little bit. The primary idea of that is to lift up. Um, the uh, vines, if they are in the out of the sunshine on the dark, cold ground, if they've been, you notice they're on trellises or they're on fences, you've seen them, they have to be propped up because if they're down, they will not bear fruit. Those branches are absolutely worthless. One commentator said this is uh, precisely what is first done with vines as anyone who has watched them being cared for knows. Grapes are not like squash or pumpkins that develop quite well while lying on the ground. They must hang free. Consequently, it, my, any branch that trails on the ground is unproductive. It would be a strange gardener who immediately cuts off such a branch without even giving it a chance to develop properly. But it would be wise and customary for him to stretch the vine on an arbor or use some other means of raising it to the sun and the air. That's what the, the Lord does. The Father is involved in your life. If you're not bearing fruit, he is going to do what he can to get you back into his presence, back into the sunshine of God's working, the fresh air of the truth of God so that you can flourish. For to me, it's a picture when you're down on the dark ground, that's the world the cosmos. It just blinds us. The God of this world blinds us unless the light of the gospel shines in unto us. And that's also for Christians. Now, young people, you're very heavily affected by the world. It's very understandable. Technology just brings it screaming at you. And you're very aware of all that is going on, far more aware of than previous generations. And so you have to be very much willing to let the vine dresser, the husbandman, take you out of the darkness of this earth in which you cannot have a productive life and bring you into the very presence of God. Now we're going to be encouraging you to spend time with God. And we're going to be encouraging and teaching you over the next few weeks on how to spend a very major time with God. But that's going to be almost impossible if you do not let God the Father work in your life. He is so concerned about you. It's not worth you living unless you know him. It's not worth living if Christ is not the center of your life. You look back, some of the things you wish, you know, that why did that have to happen to me? Did it occur to you that might have been the Father trying to get your attention? Don't waste your trial. Now, you're paying tuition for trials. <laughs> uh, I shouldn't laugh at that. <clears throat> All right. Uh, you will get your assignment sheet on Tuesday morning. First trial. Okay. And you will have other things. But there are other trials. But the pressures of just development are the very things that God shows you your need for him. And wakes you awakens you to coming uh, into his presence. I remember at uh, 15 years of age, God prepared me for my decision to serve the Lord. And it, to me, wasn't a very exciting thing. I finally made the public, uh, public high school basketball team. That's a big deal. 
in a public high school. And I worked hard to make the team. So here I am, I'm on the team, but I hadn't gotten my physical yet. I don't know why we were late on. Went and got my physical. I had grown six inches in a year. That's pretty fast growth. And uh, that's why I was on the basketball team. Uh, and uh, I had a heart murmur that was temporary because of that. Had to wait off a year. Then I'm ready to go back. I'm playing basketball. We're practicing. And my, my finger, my little pinky got crushed. Um, in the whole, I don't remember even how it happened. I had to have an operation. Guess what happened to that basketball season? You say, that's terrible. You could have been an NBA star. <laughs> oh, yes. I am a very short guy for an NBA uh, uh, team anyway. But no, God got a hold of my heart. I'm here today because of two things that God the Father did to gently lift me up. It was during that time I gave my life to Christ, I surrendered to the ministry, and everything has been changed since. So don't be afraid of trials. They are the very things counted all joy. And just the pressures. Let God work in your eyes. By the way, the best trial for you is conviction. When God's convicting you, let him deal with you. And he's going to start putting light on things that you're holding on to that are still really uh, worldly type mentality that you really just need to trust God. I don't need these things in my life. I don't need to have this kind of testimony. I don't need to depend upon these things. And as the, as the Spirit of God comes through, as the Father is working in your life, yield to Him. And it is a tremendous blessing. And then if you look at the second part of the verse, and every branch that beareth fruit, He purgeth it that it may bring forth more fruit. Now, isn't that interesting? As you grow, and now you're yielded, the Holy Spirit gets your attention, the, the Father is working in your life, you yield your life to Him, now it's all over, right? You're a great Christian. No, that's just the beginning. And so as you're bearing fruit, He wants you to bear more fruit. Now how many of uh, you returning students would say, I'm there, I'm, I'm having all the fruit that you could ever have as a believer? How many are there? How many are even close to there? I'm, by the way, I'm not raising my hand either. Okay. Now you know what I'm talking about, right? How many of you returning students long to see God do far, far more in your life? You can raise your hand at this point. Yeah. Aren't you glad for God's continued working? He keeps purging. And you know what he does? If you know anything about vines or any kind of fruit-bearing plants or trees, you have to cut off excess wood and shoots or it will take away from the sap or the, the energy from the vine in producing fruit. And it's really the picture of the self-life. Andrew Murray says, why must this be cut away? Because it draws away the strength and life of the vine and hinders the flow of the juice to the grape. The more it is cut down, the less wood there is in the branch and the more all the sap can go to the grape. The wood of the branch must decrease that the fruit for the vine may increase. In obedience to the law of all nature, that death is the way to life. That gain comes through sacrifice. The rich and luxuriant growth of wood must be cut off and cast away that the more abundant life may be seen in the cluster. I can promise you 
the secret to, to see God work is to let God the Father work in your life to cut off all that self-life. Uh, let me just say, young people, we're controlled by self from mor morning till night. And to make decisions that are not about us, but decisions that are, uh, are truly about what God wants, it, it's a miracle of God's grace. I mean, you're going to listen. If you're serious about serving the Lord, I guarantee you in the next few weeks, you're going to be more aware of self than you ever have. That's what's going to keep you back from really being the fruit-bearing Christian, growing, understanding what, what you ought to have, developing spiritual character, having that self-discipline that, that uh, says yes to God and draws close to him. And you're going to realize self is an ugly enemy. That's what you find in Galatians chapter uh, five, you also find it in Romans chapter 7, the flesh just battles. But if you walk in the spirit, ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Victory can be had. And that's what we're going to look at here in these last few minutes. But you need to not be afraid of the, uh, the pruning. And by the way, just because you're really walking with God doesn't mean that that's not going to occur. God wants more from you. I love Spurgeon's statement. Many trials are not sent for chastisements at all, but as preparations for higher usefulness. Every branch that beareth fruit he purgeth, evidently not because of any offense in the branch, but because the branch is good and does bear fruit. Therefore, it is allowed the special privilege of the pruning knife that it may bring forth more fruit. And so God's just going to continue to work. But what's, uh, I think one of the key things that you've got to understand is that the self-life is there all the time. And that it isn't that you become perfect, it's that you yield to Christ who is perfect and God transforms your life. Um, a small boy and his sister were riding on the back of a new wooden horse. Any of you have ever seen a wooden horse? A rocking horse. Anybody ever? Oh, you have. Wow, they still make them? I thought they were all plastic. Okay, well, it makes me feel better. All right. I love my red, my little red rocking horse. I'm a, I have wonderful memories. Oh, anyway. Um, but uh, we kept that thing for years, but phooey, it's gone. Um, I was too big for it. <laughs> but... Uh, I was hoping for the grandkids, but they didn't make parts for that thing anymore. It was, we could have sold it as an antique probably. But, um, so they were, uh, they were both riding on the back of that new wooden horse, and suddenly the boy turned to his sister and said, if one of us would get off, there would be more room for me. <laughs> and that's exactly where we're at. You thought about you this morning. You were a little irritated. Somebody else got in the line ahead of you. You wanted to use the bathroom when somebody else got there first, right? You know, self, self, self. And uh, so let the Father work. He will transform you. By the way, verse 3, now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. What's the main tool of the Father in our life through the Spirit? The author of the word of God is the Holy Spirit. And uh, he will use the word. Listen, if you will learn every time there's chapel, every service that you're in church, 
Every time you have devotions, that when God speaks to you, you obey, you write it down, and you make provision, even become accountable to do what God said, you will grow rapidly. The way you are delivered from this world, the way you are delivered from self, is to, to learn to say yes to the word of God as the spirit of God applies it to you. Uh, I'm telling you, devotions ought to just come alive. Sometimes they're almost scary because, oh boy, did that, that means I've got to do something about that. Don't ever be afraid of the things that God calls you to do. Because those will be the great areas of deliverance. You know the verse, Psalm 119.9, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. And uh, as William Burns says, seeking holiness is the funda fundamental re re requisite excuse me, for a successful ministry. And uh, that is the key. Now, let's look at what it means to abide. This is really the important part here, but you need to have all that background. Verse 4, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. All right, you look, you go, let's go back to a vineyard. Do you hear the branches groaning? Oh, I'm abiding. Oh, come on, I got and you hear all this chatter going on, and you can just see their sweat coming off of those branches. And I mean, they're working so hard to abide. Do you have any sense of that at all? No, they're abiding. Why? Because they're doing what they're supposed to do. See, by the way, if you ever notice, the natural creation does what it's supposed to do. It's just mankind that has the problem. And uh, just does what it was made to do by the creator. Just trust the vine for everything about it for its development for its nourishment for its life and uh and so this matter of abiding let me give you other words that you will see in the new testament continue remain all of those are the same word abide in other words act like a branch now, this is a silly illustration, but really what it deals with is this. We are one with Christ. If there was a branch that thought, you know, this is really, I can do this myself. Um, you know, I don't need anything else. You know, I've been a branch long enough. I've been around. Look at my fruit. I mean, there aren't any better grapes in all of California. That's the wrong state. Uh, all, uh, whatever. Uh, to uh, then, any, any other vine. I, I mean, I got it. I'm just going to sever my relationship with the vine, not depend on it anymore. What would happen to that branch? It'd wither within a couple of days, and would you see any grapes? Absolutely not. Everything would be trashed. And so we are thankfully in Christ forever. But you can act like you don't need him. How much did you think about him today? That's why you got to have that time with God. You've got to understand your need. See, right now, your weakness and your sense of can I make it is one of your best friends if you, res if you respond right. Because you can't do anything without God. You don't want to be self-dependent. You don't want to be independent. But unfortunately, you try to be like a branch sinking. I've got to do it. 
got to do all this. No, the branch doesn't cause the fruit. The branch doesn't bring forth the leaves. The branch doesn't have the life. It is coming from where? The vine. Everything we are in our spiritual life is from Christ. So it is simply abiding is staying in that relationship of dependence. How did you get saved? For by grace are you saved through faith. Not of works. Okay. Faith is what? Dependence. Trusting. That's what it means. If you tried to work for salvation, did you get saved? No. You're here today because you rested in Christ. It clicked. He did it all. I'm asking you to save me. You exercised your will by putting your dependence alone in Christ. Now that's what it's going to be in these days ahead. You need to have as your standard all that God wants you to do. But you can't do it by trying to exercise independence from the Lord and just trying in your human resolve and all your self-discipline and all of your effort. Or maybe it's the other way. I don't really want, uh, you know, I, I'm going to do it my own way or whatever it is. You lose the, all of what it is. See, we're, we're one with Christ, but you can grieve the Holy Spirit, as Ephesians 4 says. As 1 Thessalonians 5 says, you can quench the Spirit. You can stop the working of God in your life. That divine energy is not reaching you. Isn't that a tragedy? Jesus Christ said, I'm come that you might have life, but it is that in there, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. He wants his abundant life to flow through you. So this is not complicated. Uh, it is the matter of just depending upon him living in that reality. Now, there's one hitch here. You got to be all in. All in. You come and say, you know, I'm here. My parents want me here. And I, I'm surrendered. I want God to do what he wants to do. But, you know, there's some things I still want to do. Listen, half-hearted surrender doesn't work. See, this matter of dependence on the vine is about the fact that he is the only reason for living. Young people, we want you to fall in love with Christ. We want you to know him. He can become so real to you. His life needs to become the precious center of your life. And he will spiritually reveal himself to you. And you'll begin to realize, I can't hold on to this part of self. I can't have it my way over here and expect to have that flow of divine power and grace to change me, uh, to develop me, to enable me to do what I ought to do, for me to have power, to be effective, to be able to reach the vision that God has placed before me. And so one of the big things you're going to be dealing with over these next few weeks is, are you all in to, to Christ? Is he really that important to you? You know, you can come out of high school and you just sort of, you know, you were a good kid. You're doing well. You know, you got, got things together. But when it really comes down to what are you living for, now that's another, another ball game. And so that's what he's saying here. I'm the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth, remaineth, continueth, keeps in that oneness. He that abideth in me, 
and I am him. Just think, you are in spiritually in Christ at the throne, and Christ through the power of the, and indwelling of the Holy Spirit is in you. You have an absolutely glorious union with God himself. I'm looking at people indwelt by God. I'm looking at people that have all the potential of deity. It's not about you. It's about Christ. As long as it's about you, not going to happen. But if you will begin to allow God to work and Christ becomes center, there is no limit to what God can do in your transformation, development, understanding of knowledge, equipping of what he wants you to do, and then the doors that he'll open to accomplish his will in your life. So no branch can bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. And look at verse 5. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. Jesus' fruit. Divine fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. Young people, you, took, you go through today and your heart's not fully right with God. And you're not depending upon him. You're not going to do a thing today that's going to last for eternity. Freshman, you're not going to understand everything that's been being said. You're not going to get it. You're going to struggle. Satan's going to have wedges in to try to get you discouraged and get you off base. But if you'll just simply say, Lord, I, I got so much growth, but as best as I know how, I just want to depend upon you for I realize I, if, you know, the flesh brings corruption, but the spirit brings eternal fruit, Lord, I want to learn that. I'm yours. And I'm telling you, God will help you do that. But oh, we're so, so used to trusting ourselves. I've told this story often also. Um, uh, how many, see, we got how many Kansas folks here? Okay, three, four, four, don't we? Yeah, four Kansas folks. Do you have any Oklahoma folks we don't? We have, all right, so uh, we have Missouri. Okay, some of the, all right, well, you can sort of understand this. This is somewhere out in Oklahoma. Uh, there is a, uh, a pond, and in that pond is uh, a frog and two ducks. I mean, uh, it's a typical pond. And so uh, they're becoming real, real friends. The only problem is that this is in Oklahoma. Ponds don't last long in the summer, and so it's drying up. By the way, this is not a true story. Okay, I just didn't want you to get mixed up here. And uh, so uh, these uh, ducks and frog are having a great time until no more water. The ducks are in trouble. So is the frog. So the ducks say, you know, it's been good knowing you, but we gotta get, we got to go find some water. And the frog said, you can't leave me. What am I going to do? They said, I don't know, but we got to go get water. I mean, we got to go fly somewhere else. And he said, I'm, I'm just about a goner. I got an idea. And so he saw a stick and he said, would you guys put this in your bills and I'm going to latch onto it with my mouth and let's fly together to the next pond. Brilliant idea. And that was really great. And uh, so here you have these two ducks flying and this frog hole, uh, holding on. And it's quite a sight. And this farmer looks up in the field uh, from his field and looks in the sky and said, wow, I've never seen that before. I wonder who, who thought of that. And the frog said, I did. Uh, anyway. <laughs> All right, you'll get it. But, uh, but how many times 
have we said I did? Splat. How many have ever splatted? Okay, yeah, all right. You don't have to, but we do it. What happens? We're not remaining in that dependent relationship. We're not letting him have our life. No, I'm okay. I don't have to yield everything. No, you're not okay. You're not okay. You've got Christ in you. You've got the Spirit of God. You are in Christ. You've got everything you need, but you're not okay. And, uh, and so we need to understand that. And then I want to conclude. Verse 6 is often misunderstood, but it, if you take it in context, it's very clear. If a man abide not in me, if you're acting independent, not depending upon the Lord, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. He's using the illustration of a branch that is disconnected from the vine. That branch will wither quickly and vine wood is worthless. In fact, it's so worthless that it can't even be used to heat a fire. It is always thrown into trash heaps. And so every moment that we do not abide, our life is worthless. That's what it's saying. It's just like a branch cast into the fire. Does it sound like a passage you've heard before? 1 Corinthians 3.11. Now if any man build upon this foundation, speaking of Christ, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is we're not speaking of judgment we're speaking of the judgment seat everything will be made manifest now young people i want to conclude with this thought you're young you've got a life to live the life will be faster than you think as pastor van mentioned and of course, we've learned tragically, it can be cut short at any time. One that was sitting in here last year is not sitting in here this year, whenever he would come. And, uh, and so we're, we're aware of that. But I also want to make you aware of this. Right now, we are right on the edge of the trumpet sounding and the shout of the Savior to come up. And young people, your generation has the privilege because you're seeing things being played out that just show how prophecy can be fulfilled. God can rewind the clock. He can give us another 100, 200 years. But things are really right there. And the coming of the Lord ought to purify us. It ought to cause us to be very sober. Let me ask you right now, if all of a sudden the shout occurred and Jesus said, come up, within a few weeks we'd be having the judgment seat. What would we see? How much would last? And how much was self-independent branches living your own life? And it's even serving the Lord can be gone. It's only whatever Christ does in us. See, this abiding is just continuous dependence upon him, being all in to let him be the Lord of our life. It's very simple. But the tragedy of it is if we don't, no fruit, we don't have blessing, and there's not much that lasts for eternity.
That's what we're talking about. It's all about Jesus. And I want to encourage you here today just to make this simple commitment in your heart. Lord, I want to be all in for Christ. I need to learn this. There's a lot I need to learn. But I don't want to hold back. I want to depend upon him. I want to be a remaining, continuing, abiding branch so that I can have much fruit. I want my life to count. I don't want to waste it. I need to live in light of eternity. I've got some things I need to deal with, and I'm going to deal with them, but I want God to use me. God will. God will. Let's bow for prayer. His heads are bowed. This morning you'd say, Pastor, I, uh, I really do want to serve the Lord, or maybe you're struggling about it, but I realize that so often I get back into self-will, or I forget about depending upon the Lord, I just do it through my own strength, or I find myself getting hopeless, I can't do it, but I don't turn to the Lord. I don't know, there are many different angles of the way God can deal with you on this, but the one thing you would say is, I really want to learn starting in the morning with my time with the Lord through the day to be dependent upon him for his power, his grace, and to listen to him. Let him purge me. Let him change me. I want a moldable spirit. Every time I hear the word, I want to respond to it. I know God can do great things, but I, I need that transformational power. And I realize it's not through my effort, though I will have to yield to him to do what I'm supposed to do. It is through my dependence upon him. And I realize I'm not depending on him on a regular basis like I should. And I would really appreciate your prayer for me this morning. Would you just slip your hand up if God has worked in your heart that way? God bless you. Lord, you see these hands, and I pray you'll give great victory. I pray in these moments of invitation that there will be a decisive look to you to truly depend upon you alone. Lord, we don't know our own hearts. They're deceitful. And Lord, this very simple but precious lesson right here from the get-go, Lord, would you use it? Would we gain it? Would we understand it? And I pray that you'll give great victory now in Jesus' name. Amen.